exalted forever and ever. God of eternity, the ancient of days, wondrous in wisdom, majestic in glory, perfect in holiness and worthy of praise. Be thou exalted by seraphs and angels. Be thou exalted with harp and with song. Saints in their anthems of rapture adore thee. Thine be the glory forever. Amen. Be thou exalted, O Son of the Highest. Savior of sinful man, Redeemer and King, one with the Father, co-equal in glory, humbly we come to Thee. Be Thou exalted by seraphs and angels, be Thou exalted with harp and with song, saints in their anthems of rapture adore thee thine be the glory forever amen be thou exalted O spirit of power dwelling within our hearts to keep us from sin god of the ages and lord of salvation Ruler of heaven and earth, thy praises we sing. Be thou exalted by seraphs and angels. Be thou exalted with harp and with song. Saints in their anthems of rapture adore thee. Thine be the glory forever. Brother Phil Green, would you open us in prayer tonight, please? Thank you. Maybe seated. We're going to sing more precious than silver, page 95. We'll sing through it twice. with you. 
Speak, O Lord. If you you like the music, 513, 513, Speak, O Lord. take our Bibles. Great singing tonight. John is where we're going to be at. John chapter 13. The book of John chapter 13. I tell you, I love that song. You all did a great job singing. I like sitting with my family and hearing them sing with me. And uh, what a wonderful, wonderful truth. So the question tonight is, who is the Holy Spirit? Now next week, we're going to be looking at what the work of the Holy Spirit is, or what he does. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I have to tell you, I'm going to try to restrain myself to stay on course tonight. And we'll just look at who is the Holy Spirit. It's one of the most, I think, misunderstood teachings in all of the Bible is uh, on the the topic or the person of the Holy Spirit. I think one of the most misunderstood teachings in all the Bible. The Spirit of Christ comes to live inside every person the very moment that they believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, in John uh, chapter 13, especially chapters 14, really when Jesus Christ was with his disciples in the upper room, 
Um, Jesus taught a lot on the Holy Spirit. And uh, the Holy Spirit, as we're going to see this, the Holy Spirit on one hand is given to the believer, the child of God. He's the assurance that we're saved, that the Lord Jesus Christ has saved us, that God the Father is going to do what he said he would do. And he's going to teach us. He teaches us from within and guides us and protects us and consoles us. So he's specific for the believers. And at the same time, we're going to see, I think next week, we'll get to it uh, over in John chapter 16, that the Holy Spirit reproves the world at the same time. That's interesting. We don't often think of the Holy Spirit having a work in the world, but he actually reproves the world of sin. Okay? And he uses the law of God to do that. So tonight, you're in John chapter 13. I'll begin reading in verse number 36. And of course, as we begin reading here, uh, what's happening? Well, they're in the upper room. Jesus has been telling them he's going to go away. And he's going to leave them. And they're saying, listen, you can't go anywhere. We don't know where you're going. We don't know what's happening. This isn't what was supposed to happen. You're supposed to set up your earthly kingdom. And uh, Jesus is speaking to them, and he talks to them about the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 36, John 13, and verse 36. I'm going to read all the way down through verse 5 of chapter 14. Verse 36, the Bible says, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Where are you going? And Jesus answered him, whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Now look at verse 1 in chapter 14. He goes on to say, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Now Thomas speaks up in verse 5. He says unto Jesus, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Now, Jesus answers that question in verse 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So here we get the picture. Jesus is saying, I'm going away. Where I'm going, you can't come right now. Peter's saying, listen, I want to go with you. We talked about that this morning. Peter wants to be with the Lord. He loves him. And Jesus says, but you can't come right now. Thomas says, We don't know where you're going. We don't know what you're doing. He's confused. There's all this confusion. Now skip all the way down, if you would, to verse number 16. Same chapter, chapter 14, verse 16. And now Jesus is teaching them on who he's going to send. He says in verse 16, and he says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Now in the Greek language, there's two Greek words that mean or can be translated another And it's very interesting, this particular Greek word, alas, means another of the same kind. Another of the exact same kind. That is interesting and amazing to me, and I love that language for that reason. 
Listen again to what he says in verse 16. He says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another of the same kind, comforter, that, ye, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. I love what Jesus tells his apostles here. They're, they're heartbroken. They don't want Jesus to go. Uh, they're, they're confused. They're disturbed. They're distraught. We just want to be with you, Lord. We just want to be with you. And he says, no, I need to go. I need to go. I need to ascend to my father. It's needful for you, more needful for you that I go so I can send my comforter, the comforter, my spirit to you. And he's going to live inside of you and he's going to lead you and he's going to guide you. He's going to teach you. He's going to love you. The very love you've experienced with me, you're going to experience with him. And he will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. This is a beautiful passage. And so tonight I want to look into this doctrine, this teaching of pneumatology, study of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. We'll ask for God's help. Lord, teach us, I pray, tonight by your word. Um, I'm so thankful for this person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, who lives inside of us, who actually makes his home uh, our earthly tabernacles, our flesh. And he, from within us, he loves us and and consoles us and guides us and teaches us. He never leaves us. And even though we hurt him sometimes, Lord, he just keeps loving us. And thank you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. I pray you'd help us to learn about him tonight. Help us to love him and uh, listen to him. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, the Holy Spirit reveals God to us. That's one of his primary roles, to reveal God to us, to teach us. We're going to see that as we go through this. Um, in John chapter 14, verse number 20, look there. Uh, we'll continue reading a little bit down through verse number 26. He says there, at that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. That is, when the Comforter's inside of you, verse 21, He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. And Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Well, that's a great question. Christ, how are you going to reveal yourself to us, your chosen ones, but not to the world? How are you going to reveal yourself to the saved people, but not the unsaved people? Look at verse 23. And Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man loves me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode in him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. 
wow, I think the disciples, one of the things they were afraid of was who's going to tell us what we need to do? Who's going to tell us where we need to go? Who's going to tell us how we're supposed to handle something? I mean, they've been very dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ now for all of these years, three years about, and now he's leaving. What are they going to do? Who are they going to listen to? Who's going to guide them? Who's going to help them to understand the truth? And Jesus says, I'm going to send my spirit. The Father's going to send my spirit. He's going to send the Holy Spirit, and from within you, he's going to teach you and guide you. So there's a number of truths I want to look at this morning, or this evening. Number one is the Holy Spirit is God. He's not less than God. I want to make that a point of emphasis. The Holy Spirit is not less than God. When you think about the Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we always seem to say that say that the Trinity, or list it in that order, right? Father, Son, and Spirit. Um, we tend to think of the Spirit as being less than the other two persons of the Godhead, but that's not the case. They are co-equal, one with another. The Father, the Son, and Spirit all uh, are God, one God, three persons. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. It's how we often talk about it. You know that the word Trinity is never used. I think I mentioned that before. The word Trinity is never found in the Bible. Um, but the Trinity is found, that is, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, are found in several passages of Scripture. In Hebrews chapter 9, in verse 14, the Bible says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, so there's one person, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. In one verse, you have three, all three persons of the Godhead working to accomplish the will of God in the lives of his people. In 1 John chapter 5, in verse number 7, the Bible says it this way, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word. Remember, John uses the word as in reference to Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one, the Bible says in first John chapter five and verse seven In Acts chapter five and verse three. In fact, let's turn there. Acts chapter five and verse three. Let's look there. In our Bibles. Acts chapter five. Familiar portion of scripture. We'll touch on this a little bit later as well. Acts 5, verse number 3. Well, look at verse 1. And I'll read down through, let's see here, verse number 4. It says in Acts chapter 5, verse 1, he says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira his wife sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, "But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this, this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Now, if you'll notice in verse number three, he says, uh, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? So you see it in that one text, the Holy Ghost. He lies to the Holy Ghost, the, that Peter says, but he also then says in the very next verse, you didn't lie to just us, you lied to God. So 
The Holy Spirit is God. He is co-equal with God. The Holy Spirit is equal with the Father and the Son. Uh, Letter A says the divine attributes of the Holy Spirit show that he is God. How do we know that the Holy Spirit is God? Well, the divine attributes of the Holy Spirit show us that he is God. Some of those attributes are, number one, the Holy Spirit is eternal. The Holy Spirit is eternal. Uh, Hebrews talks about that in chapter 9 and verse 14. Talks about the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God to purge our consciences from dead works to serve the living God. He talks about that. Number two, the Holy Spirit is omniscient. Omniscient, and that simply means that the Holy Spirit knows everything. He knows everything. In other words, he's not less than God. These are These are the attributes of God himself, and the Holy Spirit has them. He knows all things. He'll teach us all things. Number three, the Holy Spirit is omnipotent. He's omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. Now, where does he reside? Where does the Holy Spirit reside? Somebody tell me. For those who are saved, he lives inside of us. You didn't realize you had that much power inside of you, did you? Right? (laughs) The Holy Spirit is all-powerful. Um, in Job chapter 26 and verse 13, the Bible says this, By his spirit he hath garnished the heavens, his hand hath formed the crooked serpent. It's interesting the way Job puts that, by the spirit of God he hath garnished the heavens. Garnished, kind of like a decoration, just decorating the heavens, no big deal. Some of you ladies decorate your homes and they're so beautiful and everything's just so, well, The Holy Spirit garnished, decorated the heavens, and he formed the crooked serpent, even the lowest, uh, we might call the most decrepit of all the creatures, some might think. But whether it be the garnishing of the heavens or the serpent that most people don't like to be around, the Holy Spirit had a role in that. He is all-powerful. The Holy Spirit is also omnipresent. Omnipresent. Let's look over to Psalm 139. Psalm 139 in our Bibles. Psalm 139, and I'll read beginning in verse 7. Psalm 139, verse 7. Talking about God's omnipresence and the Holy Spirit's omnipresence. It says in verse 7 of Psalm 139, he says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? There's no place to escape. From the Holy Spirit, he's everywhere at once. Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. So whither shall I go from thy spirit? There's no place that a person can go anywhere to escape the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. He is he is omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. Number five says the Holy Spirit is holy. The Holy Spirit is holy. You know, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Okay. Maybe I didn't need to put that down. Um, it seems to be obvious. Now, he lives within us. Is our flesh holy, yes or no? No. 
Think about that. The tabernacle, the dwelling place for the Holy Spirit is in our sinful flesh. And the Holy Spirit always leads us to do what is right. So how, how are you doing? You could ask yourself the question, how am I doing in following the direction of the Holy Spirit in my life? Am I following him? Am I saying yes to him? Am I yielded to him? Um, be careful not to offend the Holy Spirit. You know, as we go out into the workplace tomorrow or tonight as we pillow our heads, or tomorrow, throughout this week, be careful. We ought to be careful not to offend the Holy Spirit. He's inside of us. He, he lives inside of us. He dwells there. And he's always leading us. We read much from John, right? Jesus. Jesus telling his disciples, I'm going to send my spirit. The Father's going to send him in my name. And he's going to come. He's going to live inside of you. He's going to be the comforter, the paraclete. He's going to work mightily in your life. You need to, he's going to be your guide. He's going to be your teacher. He's holy. Um, and we often are not holy. And we're going to learn this later on, maybe even tonight a little bit, but certainly next week we'll look at this, but we can grieve him. We can cause him to mourn and hurt. We can quench him and what he's wanting to do through us and, and in our lives. Uh, be careful not to offend him. The Holy Spirit is truth, number six. The Holy Spirit is truth. 1 John 5 and verse 6 says, The Spirit is truth. The Holy Spirit is truth. Number seven, the Holy Spirit is life. The Holy Spirit is life. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 2, the Bible says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. That's a deep truth, actually. The law of the spirit of life. When we think of the Holy Spirit, we don't often think of the law of the spirit or the law of the Holy Spirit. Um, but there is such a thing. Um, but there's also this law of sin and death. I heard it once illustrated this way. You have different laws in nature as well. Like we have the law of gravity. If I were to walk over to the front and I would take a step off, um, that I would fall, right? I would crash. It would be hopefully not any broken bones, but yes, I would definitely fall. The law of gravity is pretty powerful. Don't mess with it, right? Um, but there are other laws that are more powerful than the law of gravity. Like the law of hot air rising. Is it the second law of thermo thermodynamics? Is that it? But if you get enough hot air in a hot air balloon, it can defeat gravity and it will go up. I once heard an evangelist once talk about this, and this verse in particular, and he, and he compared the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus to that uh, second law of thermodynamics, and he compared the law of sin and death to the law of gravity. And he said, as long as you're, you and I are in the basket, as long as we're abiding within the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can defeat the law of sin and death. Once we get outside of the leading of the Spirit of God in our lives, when we start saying no to him, inevitably, the law of sin and death will take hold and we will fall every time. And some of us, it's possible, I think, for some of us to be in the habit of not abiding in the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, saying it's possible for us to be in the habit of saying no to the Holy Spirit of God in our lives, 
And, and when that happens, a believer will wallow about in the law of sin and death, destruction, and guilt, and shame. But when you and I say yes to the Spirit of God within us, you and I can be victorious over sin. And uh, we can rise above that. So the Holy Spirit, he lives within us. Number eight, the Holy Spirit is wisdom. He is wisdom. Isaiah 40 and verse 13 says, Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor hath taught him? I love that. kind of wish I'd put that up on the screen. Think about that verse again. I'll read it again. The question is, who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord? Who tells him what to do? Well, no one. Uh, he, he directs himself. Or, or being his counselor hath taught him. Who gives counsel to the Holy Spirit? And the answer is no one does. Number nine, the Holy Spirit is sovereign. The Holy Spirit is sovereign. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 11 says, But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to the body of believers, to the different believers. He gives those gifts according to his own will. We don't get to choose those gifts. We don't get to choose, you know what, I want this gift. I, I, want, I want that gift. It's not a who gets in line first, who gets the best gifts. No, the Holy Spirit chooses what gifts to give every single believer, every single child of God. He is sovereign. He is overall. He can do what he wants to do with what belongs to him. That's what it means to be sovereign. Uh, number two, the Holy Spirit is a person. He is a person. We talked about this, the three, three persons within the Godhead, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, letter A, letter A, the personality of the Holy Spirit is shown by his names. The person of the Holy Spirit is shown by his names. Number one, comforter. Uh, I wrote down the word paraclete there, which means called to one side, called to your side. It's uh, it's kind of like a lawyer. Um, or how many of you have ever had a favorite teacher you've sat under? Um, any favorite teachers that you had growing up, maybe in class? Jack, who's your favorite teacher? Your mom? All right. So that man deserves extra cookies before bedtime tonight or something. Um, he deserves an extra snack. Um, um, so... Uh, a favorite teacher, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. In John 14 and verse 26, the Bible says, But the Comforter shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. We read this earlier, but the Holy Spirit is the Comforter and he is our teacher. Now think about this. His disciples were, this was their concern. Well, who's going to teach us? Where do we go from here? Uh, how, are we, how are we going to know what to do? How are we going to know how to to navigate life, how are we going to know how to serve the Lord and where to go? And when we read the book of Acts, we find the Holy Spirit leading and guiding and directing in the lives of the servants of God. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. The Holy Spirit is the best teacher. He's the best teacher. He's the best counselor that you or I could ever have in our lives. I, I've had different teachers I've been able to sit under and different men that I've enjoyed listening to, and some have had this, the amazing abilities to be able to make complex things simple and 
I've enjoyed that over the years, but the Holy Spirit is the best teacher that you or I will ever have. He lives within us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He is faithful to us when we are unfaithful to him. The Holy Spirit is the best teacher. Number two, he is our guide. He is our guide. In John 16 and verse 13, it talks about the spirit of truth and how he will guide them into all truth. Jesus doesn't promise that the Holy Spirit will control us. He says that he will guide us. This is interesting. Be be thinking about this. The Holy Spirit is our guide. If you or I were to, or let's say we were to go on a, we've talked about this, taking a group from the church over to Israel uh, to go on a tour of Israel. Maybe go to Mount Carmel or Pastor Scott, Mrs. Scott, what was your favorite place? Do you remember? I'm kind of putting you on the spot. The Garden of Gethsemane. Okay. And there's some wonderful things to see in Israel. And it's amazing to experience it. But if we, but uh, when you go to Israel, you, they have guides, tour guides that will go with you. And they'll take you to places and they know the shortcuts. They know the best ways to get there. They know, the best places to go. Sometimes I remember asking them about certain places and they'd say, oh, yeah, you don't want to. That, that's not worth your time. We're going to go over here. Well, they knew they knew where to go. If I went there by myself, I mean, it would still, I think, be exciting. <laughs> I'm not sure how profitable it would be. I would get there eventually. But these the guides, they know the language and they know the culture and they know the best places to eat and they know the best places to see and the best vantage points from from which to see those places. The Holy Spirit is our guide. He guides us through life. But again, he's our guide. He's not going to make us do it. He'll guide us in those steps, but he's not going to make us do it. And number three, he's our intercessor. He's our intercessor. Look over in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans in the New Testament chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. I'll read Romans 8, verses 26 and 27. It says this, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. And the word infirmities there means weaknesses or frailties. How many of us have some of those? All right, we got a few of those. I'm not talking about necessarily physical ones or Uh, I'm talking about spiritual ones. Uh, And he says, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And the, the, the bottom line is those two verses is this. The Holy Spirit pleads for us when we pray. Think about that. Sometimes we don't know what to ask for. But the Holy Spirit, when we don't know what to ask for, the Holy Spirit is pleading for us. And he knows what we really need. And he prays for those things that we really need. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit always prays according to the will of the Father. There have been times in my life where I've prayed 
for the wrong things. I prayed for things that were not in obedience to the will of the Father. I remember when I was a teenager praying for a Ram truck. They redesigned the front of the Dodge Ram, and I wanted one of those Ram trucks. So I prayed for that. Um, there were other times in my life in college where I prayed that we'd win the national championship in basketball. Okay? Um, and I had to learn, as a believer, I need to pray according to the will of my Father. What's God's will? What does he want to do? And then I need to submit myself to his will. I need to want what he wants. Then I need to begin to ask him to do what he wants to do in my life and in whatever the situation is. Well, the Holy Spirit always prays according to the will of the Father. Um, let's see here. Where are we? He's our intercessor, number three. Uh, num letter B, the, the personality of the Holy Spirit is shown by his characteristics. A personality. He has a personality, and he has some characteristics. Number one, the Holy Spirit communicates. He communicates. Uh, I gave you some references there you can look up, but the Holy Spirit has the ability to communicate. He is spoken through men and by the word of God. Number two, the Holy Spirit has a will. He has a will. Um, I have a son named Will, but the Holy Spirit has a will. Uh, he has what he wants to accomplish. You know that he has that for every single one of us? Every single one of us. He has a will that he wants to accomplish in our lives. Uh, he's choosing. He's deciding yes or no. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 11, I mentioned this earlier, but he gives these spiritual gifts according or as he will. This is, he has a will and he is actively working toward that. Number three, the Holy Spirit has intellect. He has intellect. He thinks. He knows. He reasons. No man understands God and what God is like better than the Holy Spirit does. Now, I meant that I made a comment early on in our study tonight that the Holy Spirit of God, one of his purposes is to help his followers or the followers of Christ know who God is. Um, Jesus sent the comforter so that we could know who God is. He would lead us in truth. We'd better know who God is in our lives. Um, number four, the Holy Spirit has emotion. The Holy Spirit has emotion. Sometimes he is sad. Sometimes he is pleased. He's glad. And other times he can be angry or he can be mad. And not in a sinful way is the Holy Spirit. But we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Believers can grieve him. Um, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. How do you think we can grieve him? How do you think we can make the Holy Spirit hurt or ache? How do you, how do you think we can make him, cause him to mourn? Has the idea of almost to cry. We can hurt him. How, how do you think we can hurt him? Disobedience, sure, sin, ignore him, pay no attention to him, just go on through life. We can hurt him, we can grieve him. Have you ever grieved the Holy Spirit before? I have, I have, we can grieve him. I, uh, I, I wrote 
I just jotted down in my notes. I didn't put it in your notes. But if we treated people the way we treat the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't have many friends, I'm afraid. We treated other people the way we treat the Holy Spirit sometimes. Not, not receiving his instruction, not receiving his guidance and his leadership, or, or just ignoring him. I appreciate someone saying that. I think we can grieve him that way. Uh, within this idea of grieve, there's both hate and love involved in that word grieve. It's not that the Holy Spirit hates the believer, but it's that the Holy Spirit hates the sin that the believers committed. And that idea of love in that word grieve is not that the Holy Spirit loves sin. No, he hates the sin, but he loves the believer. Or maybe I could illustrate it this way. Um, Sometimes I do ride-alongs with different police officers, and different police officers have different standards, personal standards in their lives. I rode along with one man, and his father had been involved in alcohol and had done a great deal of damage to his home growing up. And uh, this particular police officer in particular hates alcohol. He despises it. It bothers him. And he talked to me about some of the, uh, the effects of alcohol, people driving and uh, hurting other people who are on the road at that time. And uh, he talked quite a bit about the, the dangers of alcohol and how dangerous and deadly it can be and how sometimes they're called, made, they go into homes where the husband is drunk and he's beating his wife and he's beating his children. They're responding to that call and he hates alcohol. He hates what alcohol abuse does in, in homes. But if that police officer had a son and his son grew up and his son drank alcohol and went and got into a car accident, would that police officer still love his son, yes or no? He would, but he would hate the works that his son did and that alcohol did through his son. It would grieve the officer. Well, the Holy Spirit from within us is grieved over our sin, but he still loves us. And aren't we glad that he does? We're glad that he does. We're thankful that he does. Look at letter B. The Holy Spirit can be lied to. The Holy Spirit can be lied to. We read this earlier in Acts chapter 5, but Peter, you remember, he says to Ananias, he says, Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? We can lie to him. By the way, the Bible tells us that we hate the people that we lie to. And the, the idea there would be that we love ourselves so much. That's why we're lying, because we love ourselves, we want to protect our reputation or we want to protect our image or we want to make life easier for ourselves. The Bible says you hate the people that you lie to. I, it's a negative question, but do we hate the Holy Spirit? I mean, he is he is the seal upon our salvation. He is the guarantee that when we die. Those of us who we've received the Lord Jesus Christ, his spirit lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee that we're going to go to heaven someday and live with God forever and ever. The Holy Spirit is that one who, who lives within us and from within us. He loves us and cares for us and he suffers, he suffers long with us and he forgives us. It is all the things that God does, the Father does. He does it from within us. His spirit does those things. Letter C, uh, he can be quenched. He can be quenched. 
And 1 Thessalonians tells us to quench, not the Spirit. And the word quench has the idea of to extinguish something. Sometimes in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is likened to a fire. And there's a lot of benefits that come from fire, right? We can get heat from fire, and, and uh, we can cook things on fire, and we can just sit around and enjoy what fire brings to a, a gathering. So there's a lot of, of positive things that fire can do, but, but we can also extinguish that fire, right? We can take some dirt, we can throw some dirt on it and extinguish the fire. Or we can take a bucket of water, or maybe a hose, a water hose, and we can, just, we can just extinguish what was bringing uh, joy or maybe what was bringing, uh, providing warmth. Uh, and we can extinguish its work. And we're told here, quench not the spirit. He, he's at work. He's doing what God wants to do, God's will. He's accomplishing it in our lives through himself, the, the person of the Holy Spirit, in our church, in our workplace, through us. He's doing this. Don't, don't quench him. Don't extinguish him. Letter D uh, he can be resisted. He can be resisted. I'll read to you Acts chapter 7 and verse 51. And the Bible says there, it says, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart. What does he mean by that? He means those of you who are rebellious. He's talking to these people. He says, those of you who are rebellious, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Wow, that's kind of sad. Wouldn't that be terrible? Your, 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 your fathers did it. Your forefathers did it. They resisted the Holy Spirit. They were rebellious and they would not submit themselves to him and his leading. And you're doing the same thing. We need to be careful. We don't resist the Holy Spirit. Letter E, he can be blasphemed. He can be blasphemed. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 31 the Bible says, the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. What's he talking about there? I believe blasphemy, the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, is the continual rejecting of the convicting work of the Spirit of God in a person's life. We're going to talk about that next week in John chapter 16, where the Holy Spirit of God is sent into the world through, the, through, through God's people, living and indwelling God's people into a sinful world. And he's uh, convicting the world of sin. He's reproving the world of sin. He's pointing people to Christ. He's drawing people to Christ. And yet the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is this continual rejection of him. You know, maybe a coworker you work with and they see Christ in you and your, your conduct and your work ethic and your spirit and maybe your words. You've been able to share with them the hope that you have inside of you that Though you were born into this world a sinner, you, maybe you share your testimony, your, your life story with them, and, and well, they marvel at, wow, you, you, were, you were not a good person. And you say, no, I was a liar, and as I was a deceiver, but yet God saved me by his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's forgiven me of all of my sins. And you've been able to share the testimony, the, the good news, the gospel with that coworker, and uh, and they reject the leading of the Spirit of God. Maybe over a period of years, they see this testimony. They see Christ in you. You're kind to them. You love them when they are not loving to you. You're good to them when they're not good to you. Uh, you. You encourage them when they're 
absolutely the opposite to you. And this goes on for a period of years, and, and through your conduct and your words, the Holy Spirit of God repeatedly presents the gospel, the saving gospel of Christ to them, that person, and yet they continually reject the Spirit of God and His convicting work in their lives. That's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. He can be blasphemed. Number four, or letter, letter F, excuse me, he can be insulted. He can be insulted. He can be insulted. And then look with me, letter C, uh, the personality of the Holy Spirit is shown in his abilities. The personality of the Holy Spirit is shown in his abilities, what he can do. The Holy Spirit teaches. We won't take much time with this because we looked at it a little bit already, but he teaches. The Holy Spirit guides us, Romans 8. Verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Holy Spirit uh, commissions us. He commissions us. This is interesting. Um, the Holy Spirit actually commissioned Barnabas and Saul, whose name was later turned to the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 4, the Bible says, So they, being sent forth, by the Holy Ghost, departed into Seleucia. From thence they sailed to Cyprus. Isn't that interesting, though? They were commissioned. They were sent out by the Holy Spirit of God. Number four, the Holy Spirit intercedes. He intercedes. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. Number five, the Holy Spirit commands. He commands. Acts chapter 8 and verse 29 says, Then the Spirit said, Unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chair. Do you remember that? And there's Philip. God took him away from a great work that the Spirit of God was doing in one place. He takes him all the way over to this place, uh, really a desert place, and he points him out for one man. And he leads Philip to go over and join himself to that chariot. And in that chariot, what did he find? He found a man who had a scroll open, the book of Isaiah, and the man's question was, uh, "Is there? I don't have anybody to tell me what this means. I don't know what this means. I need someone to tell me. And Philip was able to tell him what Isaiah the prophet was talking about, and that man got saved. And then I, Philip got to baptize him. Why, why did all that happen? Well, the Holy Spirit of God commanded and directed Philip, and Philip obeyed. Number six, the Holy Spirit loves Romans 15 talks about this, talks about the love of the Spirit. I think that's a wonderful thing. Christ lives inside of us by his Spirit. I believe the most miserable person on the earth is the believer who's living in rebellion to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe the most miserable person on the face of the earth is an unsaved person. I don't. An unsaved person, he is in his flesh. The Spirit of God is not living within him. He does whatever he wants to do. The only thing that limits him is the law of the land in which he lives. Because there's no other law. We could go back to that slide. You remember the law of sin and death and the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? See, the unsaved man does not have the law of the spirit of, of life in Christ Jesus living inside of him. He only has one law, the law of sin and death. And he lives however he feels like it. He does whatever he wants to do. And uh, but a believer, a believer has the law of sin and death in our flesh. 
wanting to do what is wrong, continually wanting to do what is wrong, but we also have the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, in the person of, and the work of the Holy Spirit of God. And the, and the spirit of God is leading us to do what is right. The spirit of God is always leading us to forgive. He's always leading us to do good, to love, to be kind, to care for one another, to encourage one another. That's what the spirit of uh, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus leads us to do. But then there's that other law. And so sometimes within a believer, there's this there's this collision. We would might refer to it as the old man and the new man warring one with another. The Apostle Paul talked about that. So here would be my. As we close tonight, let's submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. This week, as we go about our our week, maybe tonight even, before we get home, where we pillow our heads, maybe you sit down you're going to watch a show, and you turn on the TV and the Spirit of God inside of you says, nah, well, that's not, that's not what you should watch. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. The question is, who are we going to follow? The flesh says, ah, be quiet. This is fine. I like this show. This show has action. This show is exciting. This, this show gets my mind off of, ah, I don't listen to the spirit. The spirit says, nah, you shouldn't watch that. The Spirit will lead us. He'll guide us. He'll lead us in our relationships with people. Husband and wife, he'll lead us. Um, the other day, we were doing a little house cleaning. And we were getting it all done. And, and Cindy asked me to help out in a certain particular way. She was doing the heavy lifting. She was doing most, the majority of everything. She asked me to help out in a little bit, uh, in a little way. And you know what? I actually was on the couch in the horizontal position. I did not feel like helping out in any way. You understand what I'm saying? I was in the horizontal position. I was happy, you know, on, on a couch now, not levitating. But you know what? The Spirit of God was working in my heart at the same time. And I'm telling you, the Spirit of God works that way. He doesn't just commission Barnabas and Saul to go to a place. Sometimes he works in the heart of a husband who's laying on a couch, perfectly happy and content. His wife is asking him to help her with a certain project. In other ways, he's going to lead us. He's always going to lead us to forgive. He's always going to lead us to be gracious and kind. He's always going to lead us to speak the truth. But you see, these are all the things that our flesh doesn't want to do. In fact, I'll say this and I'll be done. The Holy Spirit and the flesh never agree. They never agree. Agree. Never. The question is, who are we going to follow? Christ, Spirit, who lives within us, ever making intercession for us, loving us, suffering along with us, or our flesh that says, oh, come on, it'll be fine. Nobody will find out. You deserve it. Come on, it doesn't it look good? That's your flesh. That's my flesh. Let's say no to the flesh. And let's say yes to the Spirit. Let's submit to the leading of the Spirit of God in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. 
Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. What an incredible gift. What an, an amazing inheritance that we have that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ purchased. He purchased us and he provided for us by the Father, his own spirit, to never leave us and never forsake us, to guide and teach, comfort and console. Lord, I, I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit. Lord, I love him. And Lord, I pray that he would have his way in my life this week. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Want to sing? You have a song? Let's do it. Thank you. We're going to sing His Mercy is More. We sang this last Sunday night. We're going to sing it again. Let's stand. <laughs>